after further reveal. Here we go, episode 26, after further review, we're here to recap a jam-packed weekend of action from the UFC to the MLB trade deadline. Also, we got a little touch on women's world soccer coming up, but how are you guys doing? Good, good. Exciting week in sports and a lot to talk about. Oh yeah, super pumped to get right into it. Yeah, so I think to start, we're going to do something a little different. I think we've been kind of doing some of this on our own, but we're going to do it together not doing this at all before and we're going to do the immaculate grid and if you guys don't know what that is it's on baseball reference they have baseball basketball football and hockey we're going to do the baseball one today but each day you get a different grid and has uh it's it's pretty cool so we're just going to get right into it today and see how many we can get we might not get all nine but we're going to do it all together for the first time you guys ready oh yeah i'm so pumped about this i'm pumped to have some help first up we'll just go in order here so we got a player that was on the Pirates and the Royals. Anyone, any guesses? Who are we thinking? My Pirates. first instinct is to say Oliver Perez, but I don't know if he was on the Royals. That's a great guess. Don't know if he was on the Royals, though. Uh, I, I feel like I'm sweating a Royals player right now. <laughs> Nothing's <laughs> coming up. <laughs> is there any that are, like, sticking out super obvious? So what do we got? We got Pirates Pedro Alvarez. Was he on the Royals? Oh, I don't man. think he was. Ever uh, I don't know my Royals teams. The Oriole and Marlon, Jesus Aguilar. He was on both of them last year. Okay. Oh, okay. I like that. Let's lock that one in. The first base DH. Locking clean, it in. Locking clean. it in. All right, one for one. Eight oh, yeah. percentile, Chase. I like yeah. that pick. Got a low percentage. That's what we're looking for. Just well, 100 RBI season to me for the Rangers is pretty obvious. Josh Hamilton. Oh, yeah. That's a good guess. Could always go with, like, Adrian Beltre, too, probably. Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz. Do you want – are you guys trying to go rare, or are you just trying to – Oh, no. You just get more points if you go rare. Yeah, no, okay, I'm not so trying to go. Um, I don't think I can flex that hard on this round. <laughs> Well, Orioles 100 RBI season did Chris Davis that year have? Oh, yeah, easily. I'm yeah. pretty sure he had 300 RBI seasons. Dude, this the right column is just cake for me. I don't <laughs> Chris Davis. See, I for Pirates, I'm inclined to say like McCutcheon, but I'm not sure he ever did actually have 100 ribbies. Did Clemente? Yeah, I don't know. Clemente, Stargell, probably. Stargell, probably. Oh, definitely did. Okay, go for that. Go, go. Think of anyone else. I'm going to go with Stargell. I feel yeah. like. I like that. I feel like that's a safe pick. Nice. So, I'm we thinking got a tough row with the Royals going Willie down. Calhoun, but he didn't play. Oh, yeah. The Royals. For making... some reason, I feel like there's a reliever, and I can't put my finger on it. Oh, I rolled this Chapman this year. Oh, cha- oh yeah, yeah. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Has he played? Yeah. The, uh, yeah. Rangers? Yeah. He's playing right now. Oh, Fuck let's yeah. go. Oh, my gosh. That was almost That was your guy. Miss. That was, that was guy. my guy with. All right, Ooh. so we got four left. Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. All right. So we need a Pirates and Royals and an Orioles and Royals. Oh, I got the Oriole and Royal. Jeremy oh. Guthrie, the pitcher. Oh. oh, Chase, are you Googling stuff over there? How did you come up with no. that? I just oh. remember him. I love that. I love that. Because I'm pretty sure he wore number 11. That was a clean snag, Chase. I love that. that was a good All right. One. Is... Woo. Marlins did um dang no I don't know see I'm think I can think of guys and I don't know if they play for both like Martin Prada was he on the Pirates at all oh oh that's a great 
I oh, like it's a him. great name. Oh That's man. Name. If we ever do a not all-time team, he's on there as my third baseman. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Our second not all-time team. It's like the Rangers and Marlins, too. I feel like there's a, a reliever in there somewhere that was both. Didn't they make a trade like five or six years ago? Was Who that the, not them? The Rangers uh, and the Marlins? There was a uh, there was a Tigers and the Marlins. There was a Jacob Turner. A lot of guys, like, I'm just thinking, like, Cole Hamels came through, Prince Fielder came through, like... Yeah, any of those? At, th- at this point, our fans are just screaming at us. Our listeners <laughs> are just screaming. Did Pedro Alvarez play for that's, the... That's what I mentioned. Oh, oh shit, it. duh, yeah. Go for it. I don't know, that's the one I, I don't know, for. yeah, I don't he might, know. He could have played for either. He could have been on the Marlins for, like, half of one season, one year. Should we, should we go for it? Yeah, I say go All for right, it. I feel like it's worth a send. We went back to it. Oh no! Oh. <laughs> no, wasn't it? All right, we're thinking of somebody though. Would that uh, name just made me think of Jeff Samarja? Did he play? Jeff Samarja might have played for the one Marlins. of those or the Royals. He definitely pitched for the Pirates. Do you know? He might have pitched for the Royals. Do we? Do you want to try to lock in the Royals Pirates? Yeah, yeah let me see. <laughs> Samarja. Just go for it. Nope. It's Great. tough because I'm like, I'm thinking about the Royals during their World Series run. So I'm trying to think of who was on those teams and if anyone like trickled out or if anyone went from a team to them. But I don't remember them making any big deal. Oh my gosh, we missed an obvious one. I just looked it up. <laughs> All right, let's do Pilot, Pirates Marlins. I'm just going to type in Mark Melanson and see what happens. All right, okay. Nope, didn't get it. Oh. Starling Marte. Pudge. Ah. That was the really obvious one. Pudge. Oh, Pudge. Then Chris Davis, Josh Hamilton, Clemente were the three obvious ones on the right. Carlos ah. Santana, I feel like Starling Marte's been around so many teams though now. Yeah. Totally forgot about Carlos Santana. Pudge was an obvious one. That was a brick. I'll just start using Starling Marte like I use Ryan Fitzpatrick in the NFL. <laughs> Wait, Carlos Santana was the Pirates and Royals? That's the highest, like rated one for the pirates royals i don't remember that at all the other options jakeem soria oh fuck. Kendall. there's the reliever i was talking about joaquin yeah. soria fucker thing is it's crazy you type it in there's 110 players total who have played for both these teams but like some of these names like never like trevor cahill but he only played one game for the royals <laughs> oh what <laughs> Just like crazy stuff like that. Octavia Dotel is on here. Oh, you know what? He should be the guest if we can't come up with something. It should be him. Naftali Feliz. There's those all those relievers. Wait, Feliz was a Marlin and a Ranger. No, Royal and Pirate. Oh, oh, oh. Still though, what the hell? Yeah, but if you guys stayed with us that long, we appreciate it. Just a fun one. And we'll, we'll keep, Hey, that wasn't bad. We got six out of nine. So let we'll us take if, it. Let us know if you guys beat us. There's three of us doing this. Let us know if anybody got yeah. more than six out of nine. Yeah. And we'll, <laughs> we'll post them on our Instagram every day. Um, just when one of us does them and just see if anyone, anyone else did something with them. But yeah, speaking of MLB, we had a, a big uh, day last yesterday was a big day. Last couple of days was big. And Trade deadline, lots of moves. Not necessarily the craziest trade deadline we've had recently, but what are what are your thoughts? What are you guys uh, 
I know I have a lot to talk about, but you guys have any uh, thoughts about the Phillies or any other moves? No Otani, so they're going for it. It's going to bite them in the ass, but they're going for it. Ben, I'm <laughs> yeah. so pumped they're going for it, first of all. And Chase, I'll let you, if you want to touch on the Phillies first. Okay. I was definitely a little underwhelmed, I would say, considering Dave Dombrowski seems to just wait until the end of the deadline to make all of his deals. He did it last year, and he did it again this year. And... I guess you could say moving forward, we're better than we were before the deadline, but Michael Lorenzen for one year and Rodolfo Castro aren't two names that particularly get my my energy up for the season. I mean, they're having respective seasons, but nothing that I would say compared to the people who I thought they had a chance of getting are the people that they got. So that's my initial reaction. Yeah, I mean, I I like the move. My I like the Michael Lorenzen move a lot. I don't know too much about Castro actually, but I hated Bailey Falter. Yeah. So that's my biggest fear on trade days, especially when you're going for the win. I don't want them to drop someone that I feel like I like and or can contribute to us winning. Bailey Falter is a loser, just that plain and simple, and so. I'm okay with that move. And I've been saying all year, we need another starter. We need another starter. Christopher Sanchez hasn't is not as bad as I make him out to seem, but Lorenzen being in there, I mean, even like Ben and I were talking yesterday, like if they make the playoffs, well, one, he'll help make the run, but if they can squeak into the playoffs, he can be easily a long re- reliever. So, you know, Ranger pitches game three or game four, only goes two innings. Lorenzen be perfect guy to come in to try to eat up some of those. Uh, overall, I'm okay with not a lot of action. I know they could have done more, but they didn't do anything bad. And they're still winning games, and they were cold right out of the All-Star break, getting hotter again. This isn't going to fluster up their rhythm or, you know, cohesiveness. Rob Thompson doesn't have to make any crazy decisions, so it should be pretty simple for him. But, yeah, not nearly as many moves as the Mets made. But real quick, before you get to that, I, Ben, I am happier Tiny staying. It will most likely bite him in the ass, but this proves that teams – these borderline teams, especially the angel, like teams like the Angels, who don't have as much money to shell out, usually just sell, 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 and now I'll really be rooting for them. Yeah, I mean the Angels—they made some weird moves though too. Yeah, they went for it, but like to to bridge into the Mets, they they traded for Dominic Leon, the Mets a reliever who hasn't done much at all. I mean, he's got like a four point three OERA. He's a journeyman reliever. He started the year in AAA. They traded their number nine overall prospect, their nine overall prospect for him. Now, I don't think the Angels have a weak farm system. I don't think he's anything good, but they just seem desperate. I don't know. I think they're they're making a big mistake just not getting anything in return for Otani. Yeah, I think it was a sketchy move, especially because of how hard they spent to get people. Like, it wasn't even they bolstered their roster. They just went out and sold off. I guess three of their top 10 prospects. Now when Otani walks, they're not going to be able to replace any of that, what they gave away and plus whatever crater he's going to leave on their offensive and pitching staff. Yeah. And they have a really weak farm system. So they're a team that could have, you know, benefited from bolstering that. But so let's talk about the Mets for a second, trying to gather my thoughts and trying to put it into a trying to put it all into a, a something that makes sense because there's a lot a lot that happened a lot going on and I have a lot that went through my head with it uh first of all 
I overall think they made the right decisions. I think we talked about it a little last week. I wanted them to sell. You know, they went for it this year. They signed the guys they thought they had to sign. And it's not always easy for teams to just kind of punt and say they got it wrong. And to, to do a quick rebuild, to do that, you have to kind of make this move. So that's what they did. And I think overall it was what they had to do. Max Scherzer needs to chill <laughs> is another thing I want to say. He, first of all, he, I don't think Mets fans give him enough credit last year during the regular season, he had probably a top 10, top 15 regular season for the Mets all time, not even sugarcoating it because he was that good during the regular season. But this year, the playoffs, he really underperformed in big spots and that's what he was signed there to do and whether it's a pitch clock like we talked about in the beginning of the season with some of these vets that made him struggle I don't know what it was but he was upset that the Mets decided to sell and he was a big part of the reason the Mets decided to sell he did not perform the way he's paid to perform I mean he's got he still has an over four ERA going to the Rangers so I think the Mets you know I think they did what they should do. I mean, they got a bunch of good prospects back. They have five. They got, I think, four total, four more top 100 prospects back. They didn't really do what they need to do with pitching. They got really no pitching, which is really what they need. But their lineup probably in two years is going to be really good. Um, and that's what it seems like. It seems like they're not, they're gearing up to contend in 2025, which it's kind of unfortunate when you know a team is probably not in it to contend next year, but we'll see what happens. So that's my thoughts. I think I'm happy with the moves. I think they got, I think they did really well with some trades. I think they could have gotten more with a few others like Robertson. I was really happy after I read more about Vargas. I think they did really well for a rental reliever. Who's 37. I mean, Verlander is 40 Scherzer's 39 or 40 and then got top prospects for him. Now they're paying a ton of money, so they're almost paying for prospects, essentially. Um, the only thing I'd like to see them do at this point, like call up like Ronnie Mauricio, who's tearing up AAA, who's a top prospect. Like stop throwing Danny Mendick out there. Um, I mean, their lineup tonight, they have a guy, I don't even remember his name, a guy who hasn't played in the major since 2022. He has a career like minus – 0.09 war and he's starting at second base they lost last night i don't know if anyone saw they lost last night on a balk that the pitcher never even threw a pitch he came into the game never threw a pitch balked and they lost so <laughs> just capped off the trade deadline and kind of the met season but players should not be shocked that they're doing what they're doing i mean they the crazy thing about all of it is in july they had the best record in the nl the it's, mets did the mets had a 14 to 9 record which is the best nl record Oh my god. But they were so bad in June, they can't they didn't give the team a chance to contend and every there's so many players have been underperforming. I mean, yeah, Pete Alonso's got 31 home runs, but he's hitting 215. Like everyone across the board is, has been underperforming. So, well, Scherzer's probably just pissed because now he's going to be forever on Mets Mets fans shit list. He's only going to be remembered for playoff choking and then being the reason part of the reason why they went from a 100-win season well, to having to almost rebuild the franchise. They traded bit. away Robertson, and then the, the media after the fact, after the game, this is before Scherzer got traded, he was like, I got to speak to management about this. Like, he was super pissed. 
like they traded Robertson. It's like, dude, you're like six, we're six games under 500, uh, like right before the trade deadline with a, he's a 37 year old closer on a one year deal. Like what did, obviously they're going to try to get something for him. Like we can still sign him next year, but I mean, that's insane to think we're just going to keep him to try to let them contend. Like they've had so many months at some point they didn't perform. That's it. Baseball is weird. They have, They've added two additional wildcard teams within the last 15 years, one being within the last two years. So you have three wildcard teams now, but there's only three divisions. So only six of the 15 teams are making the playoffs in the MLB. It's You have to be well over 500 to be a solid playoff team, like to make a run. And them being under 500, like you said, I mean, best record in baseball in NL – I wouldn't have guessed would have been as low as 14 and nine. Yeah. And obviously there was the all-star break too, but I don't know. Max Scherzer is kind of a baby. I mean, I truly believe if Diaz was healthy this year, they would have won at least five more games. I think that's a fair number because they, they had a lot of games. They blew late this year in general. And I truly believe if Diaz was back there with Robertson doing what he's doing in the eighth inning, like they would have won five more games, been more closer to 500 and not be in this position. No, I agree with that too, because it wrecked DS for you and it killed Trey Turner for us. So I love the world baseball classic, but it really screwed over two people. I mean, there was definitely, there was some other cool trades that, uh, that occurred, you know, a couple, um, the White Sox made some moves just like we thought. Gialetto went to the Angels getting absolutely shelled today, three innings, nine runs. So Good for them, of course, making those trades. Uh, killed my fantasy team while they were at it too. But I mean, you did the biggest. The biggest thing I think I think the Mets were the biggest moves. I mean, it wasn't as crazy of a deadline as I thought it could be. Well, not as many teams sold. Like yeah. the Cubs, you thought might be sellers, and then all of a sudden went on like a seven-game win streak, and then they became like kind of buyers, kind of not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, I say it as it's still really hard to make the playoffs as an MLB team. I mean, like I just said how a lot of MLB teams breaking <laughs> news, just so everyone doesn't know, Ryan just got a house. <laughs> oh, so yeah. Congratulations on air. Just, Ryan got a house. Just got the text congrats, right congrats. now. They're, they're, the sellers are accepting our offer. They didn't even counter. So we got what we're what we offered and just super pumped to get right after it. And you already know painting by chase about to be the first hire to help us make this house. Perfect. Appreciate that. Oh yeah. Can't live, wait to get it live. Never, never happened yeah. before on AFR. So uh, yeah. yeah. Congratulations. If you, if you listen to this podcast and you shoot me a text saying, yo, I heard you got a house via the podcast. You will automatically be invited to my housewarming party. Yeah. Or and I'll the give away. Ticket. I'll give you give you away an autographed baseball card if you do that too. Ben, for my housewarming gift, can you just give me an Ed Delahanty card? <laughs> like an authentic one? No. <laughs> they make there's I looked them, I looked up his cards. I want like one like that there's was one made from, when he played. Oh, okay. <laughs> there's one there they oh. do they didn't make ones in 1970 that are Ed Delahanty. So they're like still kind of old, but oh, they're that's, not, that's okay. They're not when he played. As long as it's not like a modern. No. Day. So you think about it, 1970. I mean, it's still pretty old, Yeah. But no, that's okay. That's old enough. His actual cards, like on average, a pretty bad condition. One is like two to three grand. Do you think they're like painted? No, 
they, they made cars then they they're did. just yeah i looked it up an okay. authentic one's sketch no not I'm gonna find kidding. it in the dollar bin <laughs> <laughs> the swing back around like i was saying how mlb teams a lot of them like it's so super hard to to make the playoffs still only six of the 15 teams in each league but at the same time, this adding the six wildcard team gives so many teams hope now. So many teams, like we talk about the 2010 Mariners, teams like the Angels this year. I mean, the NL Central's wide open. The Reds have made had winning streaks. The Cubs have had winning streaks. The Brewers are there. The Cardinals made it last year. So a lot of teams that are hanging around just because of that extra wild card, even though the odds are still so small. They want to. They want to make the run. They want to not sell. They want to bring in fans. They want to try to make money and continue to win games. Because, as you saw the Phillies last year, anything can happen if you make the playoffs. Just got to get into the one of those spots. But, yeah, overall not the craziest trade day trade trade deadline. Still better than the NFL and the NBA, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I love the activity that does happen, and it was. A little more intense, like we were saying. It was less active, you could say. But I think it just means that the, there's more competitive teams, too, which is nice to see. That It's not just blowaways, and everyone has a chance to win it. So I would say the team that probably made the most head-scratching moves was the Marlins, though. It seemed like they just kept swapping out people. Yeah, I agree. They didn't do – for a team that has surpassed expectations like they have, you would think they would maybe – go for a little more than they did not that i'm rooting for the marlins in any way shape or form but it seems like when you make trades though you try to upgrade positions it seemed like they were just swapping out positions almost yeah so i'll ask you uh ryan your wait real quick real quick before you dive in did was there any clear winners trade deadline winners i mean i that's pretty quiet i think the mets were a winner honestly (laughs) yeah they got some top talent Ding, Mets, Mets, Mets. I don't know. I think the Angels were clear losers. That's fair. That's fair. I had to ride it high, but I know I'm in the right. I just know it's not even. It's not even that they went for it. It's the moves that they made when they went for it. They all. I didn't really like any of them. Like it it seemed like they either gave up too much for someone that wasn't worth it, or like I don't know. They didn't make us. It didn't seem like they made us any smart moves. And uh, also, too, we should bring up the Diamondbacks. They made a couple buyer moves with to keep their team contending. And their That's division. true. They yeah. upgraded their closer spot. Uh, oh, they got Tommy Pham. Oh, yeah, they traded Tommy Pham from the Mets. They gave up a yeah. prospect. You said the Angels went around in circles. I feel like the Padres kind of did, too. They, like, dealt Blake Snell, right? But no, they, no, did they not no. No, they, they, they almost bought. A little more. They did, yeah, because they, they got um, Rich Hill. Yeah, they got Rich Hill. Yeah. Uh, they basically bought. I mean, they're at 54 and 55 now. They went. They're they were fourth place in their division under 500. And they they're, in the, they're in a similar spot, honestly, as the Mets, and they went for it. Um, they got Garrett Cooper from the Marlins, too. But this. The first this is, baseman. Oh, that's true. But this There's is kind of. 50 games left. This that's is crazy. kind of reminiscent. The Padres, it was 2017. And they tra- that's when they traded like Hosmer, Myers, and they went, they were struggling. They were in a similar boat and they went for a quick rebuild. They got some really good prospects in return. And that's what helped them get back to contention so quickly, which is why I like what the Mets did. So it's 
yeah it's tough if you go the other way it could make the future a lot lot more uh dim quickly here you know as we're you said 50 games away from playoffs which is crazy Ryan, your top four going into this season, you had the Orioles and Astros in the AL. How are you feeling about that one? Ding, ding. I'm feeling great, Ben. That sounds awesome. Then the Phillies and Dodgers. Feeling great, Ben. Okay, okay. I'm feeling great. Chase, you had the uh, Guardians and Astros. How are you feeling about that? Uh, Astros, Guardians, not so much. Guardians, three games under 500, Chase, but only two and a half out of the division. Weak division. They, you know, they could I mean, they... They sold off Josh Bell, Aaron Savale, and they got in Noah Syndergaard. So I don't really know what their game plan is. <laughs> they not really sure what that moves me. They got a good prospect for Savale. I think they did. They they're did. not in a bad spot. Yeah, actually, I brought up the one for one trade thing, and there was a lot of that. that uh, there was. That's like, true. surprisingly, was. and the Mets did it. The <laughs> they did do it, and I I didn't know I was. I mean, it was what Tommy Pham was one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Scherzer was one for one, right? Mm-hmm. Scherzer and Tommy Pham. So yeah, and Tommy Pham. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the Scherzer. I mean, they got a good prospect. But yeah, it's pretty funny you brought that up and all that happened. Yeah, because I was, I'm just not sold on the trade package in baseball. I feel like you get too much junk in return. Yeah, I'd rather one quality guy over three potentials. And yeah, maybe you hit on two of those three, but how often does that legitimately happen? Yeah. I agree. And on the NL side, Chase, you had the Phillies Mets. How you feeling about that one? Okay, the Mets, not so much. I really bought into the hype. <laughs> it's okay. This so. is going to be a, a arms race between the Phillies and the Mets. If we go back, uh, you know, a handful of episodes, we were talking about it like it was a nuclear war. Yeah. So far, it's been grenades and handguns. Yeah, that's uh, the not work out like we thought it did. Certainly, I had more hope. So for me, I had the Astros Rangers. So feeling decent Solid. about that one. And then I had the Mets Dodgers. So Dodgers, I'm still okay with. Mets, not so much. Dang. Yeah, and these are these are the teams playing in the championship series. So obviously Ben has still two teams from the NL West or the AL West. And I don't mind that pick at all, considering how the AL Central's been a garbage can. Yeah. But Got to get through that Moe's, baby. Yeah, but just wanted to see where we were at on our uh, brackets here as we're past the trade deadline. No, it's, it's also, been a – go ahead, Chase. I was going to bring up Eduardo Rodriguez declining the Dodgers trade because, uh, I don't know, I, I feel like this happens every year where, like, Arenado said he would definitely go to the Dodgers if he was traded there. But how many people are just biased to go there? And I was just happy to see one person and be like, no, that's okay. Yeah, and you never you never hear about what like personally like even guys like Mark Canna like they talk about the other side that people don't see like you're taking your family you're moving you're on a flight like the next day to a different city. Yeah, I'll plug our Twitter right here, but I saw a few stories of that that players were tweeting out. I think I retweeted one. I forget who it was off the top of my head, but just talked about their experience of learning about being dealt mid game and what that was, how confusing that was, and just being handed a phone and realizing you're getting on a bus going somewhere else other than where everyone else is going and what that feeling's like. So check it out. Yeah. Check out our Twitter, AFR show pod, right? Yeah. At AFR show pod. All right. Now we got, we're going to a new brand new segment on after further review right here. The wild, wild, wacky, weird West takes.
you already know midway through the show let's break it up a little bit everyone's gonna have some weird odd thing they talk about doesn't have to be super crazy but just something different and i'll lead us off since we were talking baseball i think this is a nice nice bridge here to go with um less than a month ago the Mexican Baseball League combined with the World Baseball and Softball Confederation, and they created, which will happen this year, the first ever Baseball Champions League. And I'm bringing this up specifically because, Chase, I believe you've touched on something like this. We love the World Baseball Classic. We like to see these international teams and players you don't always get a chance to watch on a big stage play because there's a lot of hidden talent out there. Well, this is our chance, just a small sample size, but our chance to see it. Obviously, the in the European soccer leagues, the Champions League thrives. I mean, aside from your league, that's almost better, if not better, winning the Champions League, too, on top of, like, your Premier League or your Bundesliga, those types of leagues. This one doesn't have all the big hitters in it, the baseball league, but it is actually the first time in the history of baseball, professional and world-level competition for clubs will happen between one another. So this is history in the making. Nothing crazy, but it's pretty cool. And it's going to go on from September 28th to October 1st in Mexico. Only four days, but ESPN will be covering it. And the four leagues participating are the 2022 champions of the Mexican Baseball League, the American Association of Professional Baseball, which is an independent league in America, a small 12-league team, the Cuban Baseball League champion, and the Colombian Baseball League champion. So some smaller countries, no big, obviously the MLB, none of the minor league teams, Japan's not in it, Korea's not in it. But I don't know, guys, this, this seems pretty cool. And the Champions League works so well in soccer. I feel like it could work in baseball. Yeah, I think that's pretty neat to... You know, we get to we get to see these players on a bigger stage that we normally don't really hear about or get to see. It'd be cool to see those guys highlighted and guys in you know those countries as well who are there's some great ball players out there. Yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a chance for scouts like the World Baseball Classic, and I mean, Mexico, Cuba, Colombia, even with throughout the America, this this double A team plays in in. They have a couple teams in Canada. It's only 12-team league, but a couple of teams in Canada, and then the rest are in the U.S. But that's prime baseball players. Like, you can find some nice raw talent throughout these leagues that we never get a chance to see. And it's good branding for them, too. But I, I'm, I'm rooting for it. World Baseball Classic is so cool. And this tournament they're doing in four days. I mean, the MLB season doesn't end until November, so they'd have to figure out a way to do it later or something like that. But – I mean, it's just going to be a simple round robin. You play every team once, and the top two teams play in the finals on day four. And I'm super pumped about it, September 28th through October 1st. So we'll have to keep an eye on that when it gets closer. Yeah, I'm excited too. Like, uh, I don't know, we've just been waiting a long time, and especially coming out of the pandemic, I feel like still there's not enough sports happening, even though we're basically back on a full-time schedule. The more I can get and the more tournaments and the more people I can get it out there, I'm definitely behind. So real quick, boom or bust, baseball champions league. I'm going to say bust, but I think this might be a thing where it takes like two or three iterations until it clicks. I'm going to also say bust as much as I want to say boom. I just don't, I'm not, I'm not sure. I have to see it, see it happen. Um, I think there's a lot of potential, but it's just, it's always going to be tough no matter what it is. For yeah. Me. 
well, World Baseball Classics only every four years, and the scheduling is tough. And that would be something that this that this tournament would have to deal with. They would almost have to do it on like the opposite end of two years of like the World Baseball Classic or something, t- same time frame to fit everyone's needs. But I don't what? know. I mean, it's not. There's not like the Mexican Baseball League. Like these aren't just random all like you know single a teams playing each other these are legit league champions in other countries my question is is there going to be mlb players on them like are teams gonna not want these low-level minor league guys to play in these games like is that hindrance like will that be a hindrance yeah. or not i mean no. there won't be, be any there won't be any mlb players this year so it'll yeah but i see what you're saying but even like the like, like the mexican like or like um like the Dominican like leagues like that that are affiliated with the farm system. I'm sure there's guys that would play on those teams. That's true. But I don't know if they'd be allowed to. Yeah. And I, if that if they are, then maybe that becomes a showcase and it's a cool thing. But like Shoei Atani and the Angels, I'm rooting for it. But yeah, it's, it's a cool idea. It's yeah. awesome. But that's my weird, wacky, wild, wild west take. Who's next? No, but Ryan's, I mean, that was, you know, that was awesome just to hear about another potential league and hoping it succeeds because I'm always down for more baseball. So, but here we go. So this is just a little NFL weird stat type thing. And I thought it would just be interesting. So in NFL history, after the age of 40, who has the most receiving yards? In the NFL after the age of 40? Who was the most receiving yards in the NFL after the age of 40? I got two guesses. So, Chase, I'll let you go first because if you guess one, I'll guess the other. I'm doing a top four. You're doing a top four? I'm just, I'm going to give you guys the answers after number one. Chase, you want me to go first? Yeah, go ahead. Jerry Rice. Yes. Okay. Is he number one? Solid pick. Number two? No, 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 no. I got another guess. You're not going to guess the rest. I'm not going to guess any of them? No, no. Can I guess one? Sure. Terrell Owens. No. Chase, do you have any picks? Ah, uh, no. I, to be honest, I can't think of any over There's zero percent chance. Okay. Number two is Tom Brady with six yards. Number two is Tom Brady with six <laughs> yards? Number three is everybody else with zero yards. <laughs> what? <laughs> and then number four is Brett Favre with negative two yards. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> Well, I'm glad I didn't take a guess because I would have been salty that it legitimately wasn't anyone else. So I just thought that was really funny. Then I had to I had to let you guys uh let you guys in on that one. First off, I'm pumped I got number one. Second off, I like the third place is everybody else. And then you just have Brett Favre who apparently caught a, a pass for negative two yards when he was over 40. <laughs> I wonder if we can find the highlight of that to show our oh, listeners. If we if we find that highlight, I'm posting it. I hope so. That's amazing. All right, Chase, leaves you. Let's get it. What do you got? All right. my Our last story is somebody that we probably should have brought up sooner, but we're bringing it up now because I just saw him back making headlines again. The person I'm talking about is Blake Martinez. He was a former linebacker in the NFL, and he played for the Giants most recently, I believe. But anyways, he uh, retired from football because of the injuries and the concussions they were adding up. And he decided to go into something else investment wise. And he decided that Pokemon cards, uh, you know, trading them specifically would be a good way to make money and also not hurt himself in the process, like meaning physically and mentally from, you know, all the abuse of playing football. So during his time at the NFL, he's made about $30 million. 
and he's been trading cards for a little over two years, and he's made eleven and a half million in that time. So he's almost halfway to what he made in the NFL just in a shorter amount of time and literally just selling Pokemon cards. I would just like to say, not to shit on him at all, but he had a, he issued this big apology at the National this past weekend because he was caught kind of scamming people with breaks. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that, but so the story might be tainted. Well, he just, it was a little sus. He basically, he's, Part of what he's doing is it's a break. It's breaking. So like a okay. break, a Pokemon breaking like such. But there was a video of him like swapping out like a card or something, like almost like keeping like the good one and like trying to swap out a bad one type thing. Uh, but these are like packs that people paid like people paid for. So it was a little sus. But that's what he that's what he's been one of the things he's been doing. I know that's a little shiesty. I'm not gonna lie. That's insane though. Just I mean, Pokemon cards have been, they're definitely a post-COVID. I mean, the whole industry has been in post-COVID boom, but Pokemon cards especially were nothing pre-COVID. And the fact that he's just running with that and made it 11 and a half mil casually, it's like, holy shit. Yeah, it's pretty insane, the amount of money you can pull in off of the trading card industry and just doing, you know, certain parts of it. Not to go too much deeper, but if you if you want to, a guy called rattle pokemon he he's on youtube and he talks about like pokemon like bad things that happen basically and he has a video like a two-part video series on like martinez like uncovering like bad things he's doing it's it's like kind of negative but it's, All right, well, I'm watching it. We're never bringing up Blake Martinez again. Yeah, but <laughs> then you just destroyed <laughs> no, him. I just know because I, I had no idea. I, I just, just saw the headlines. I just follow all these things for um, sports cards, like on Twitter, and he's come up a lot actually recently. Just because... oh, maybe that's why he popped up. Then, like, I just saw it as like, well, because he of was national, making money. Yeah, yeah, because the national just happened, and he issued an apology at the national and was there. Like, it made some headlines too. Oh. One of the other things that made headlines is of like trading cards is Magic the Gathering. If you're familiar with that, there was this card that there's this set that they produced with Lord of the Rings, and they had this card that was a one of one, and they'd never done that before. Basically, the guy who sold it sold it to Post Malone, and it's worth, <laughs> and they sold it for two point six million dollars. Dang! I would retire. There was there were companies that were offering two million but post malone paid 2.6 so now he's the owner of that card what a legend post malone just is higher on my list now of just a i love the guy yeah. and now he's higher because he earns a 2.6 million dollar magic lord of the rings card but no chase i wasn't trying to shit in our pick it's always cool oh no no yeah yeah i love the one like other players get into like cars and stuff like if you ever um who's the running back on the packers aj Dillon. Yeah, AJ Dillon, he like collects his own cards and stuff, and he's like big with sports cards. Like, there's guys like that, and I, I think that's really cool. So, anytime a pro athlete actually gets into that stuff, it's neat. Yeah, it's like a peek behind the curtain of like somebody who's actually in the industry doing it. I agree. And, you know, as we're winding down <laughs> the show in general, I think we just got to quickly touch on the UFC fights that just happened. I mean, we didn't really talk about it last week. But this was a fantastic card. The main event was just stacked top to bottom. Yeah, it was a it was a really good card. I actually got to see it 
live uh, for the first time in a, in a little bit where I'm um, sitting it through, you know, usually it's hard to stay up that late. Sometimes you pass out, but I got to see it all and it was spectacular. They did a really good job with this card and everyone who was on it delivered starting with Tony Ferguson. I'll start there with him because it was the fight that, you know, I still always have high hopes for, but he just doesn't have that gear anymore and you kind of already knew that and to go out the way he did with a submission of bobby green bobby green's first in the ufc since his debut which was over 10 years ago i think at this point uh kind of shows you where tony ferguson is in his career and still trying to keep going i think he's he's done but also he's definitely one of those fighters that he's gonna be fighting much longer than he should be i mean (laughs) he's just that guy he's he's crazy yeah, he goes out on a shield for sure, and it's almost in a bad way at this point. Like, some guys do, and then they know when it's time to go out, but he just keeps L. going. Yeah, and it, and it's going to be one of those things where the UFC moves on from them, but they keep going, and it's hard because – and I am I was actually really surprised that the crowd there was really behind Tony Ferguson, and I feel like a lot of people are giving him his props for what he did. And, I mean, he had a 12-fight unbeaten streak in that division, same as Habib, and the fight fell through. and. Who really knows, but we talked about it, but it was just an unprecedented run. And even after that, he still put together some good performances, but it was a tough one to watch for sure. Yeah, I mean, even recently, um, I think it was a Chandler fight where he was winning that fight. Yeah. He, was, he looked really good. And then he just got just blasted with, I mean, just absolutely one of the most vicious knockouts you'll see. <laughs> and he's had a lot of those, unfortunately, which is makes it even worse, like, I mean, he got, we, you know, we watched that Gagey fight and I don't think you can look at a guy and think he can be the same after that. I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a fighter take as much damage Mm -hmm. as Ferguson took in that fight. Yeah. It's not, it's not sustainable, especially at this point in his career after being in a lot of wars. And I brought up the 12 fight win streak. He was taking a lot of damage in those fights and they were almost like he came from behind and won those fights where he would get beat up and then be down and then he would submit people off his back or do something wild like a triangle. So we'll see what happens with Tony Ferguson here in the future. Yeah. The next fight on the list. Yo, right the after flying that, knee. <laughs> what the heck? Derek Lewis opens with a flying knee and then gets the finish in 33 seconds. I was hyped for him. I was hyped that he got the dub. Yeah, most knockouts in UFC history with 14. Should we, uh, and... should we roll the clip quick post-interview? <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And roll left it. an interview for the ages. I'm here with the winner, Derek Lewis. Derek, you have the most knockouts in the history of the sport. Now you're rated it up to 14. And what a phenomenal one it was. Did you plan to open with that flying knee? Hell no. I just said, I just said, let me throw some b- if it lands. And I did. It, it landed perfect. Did you plan to take your shorts off? I didn't. My b- you know, your b- got a man of his own. Like, he not only went there and entertained and then just really leveled joe rogan with an interview i mean wait wait was this the guy that said he had to take a poop the one time oh my gosh i love that i knew him because of the interviews immediately the shorts came off and i was like i love this moment right now a flying knee you know how it opens with a flying knee jorge masvidal john jones you know proven winners competitors Derek lewis is now on that list that's crazy yeah he didn't get the finish but still he opened with one and 
I mean, that helped him get that quick finish. Yeah, but. I mean, he landed it nonetheless. He got his like he got up there, and I don't know. It's always weird too when you listen to Cormier talk about Derek Lewis because you know Cormier could just destroy Derek Lewis. But I was like, ah, but there's times when Derek Lewis will knock out the best of everyone. No, and I'm I mean I'm glad he was one and three in his last four fights, and to yeah. so to see him get that win, I was hyped that he. Yeah. having him in the UFC is fun. it's fun to have him in the UFC. And that was the fit. He finished his contract, so he's officially a free agent. Obviously, looking to get back with the UFC, but what a great way to say, "Keep me around." Did you see what Kevin Holland said in the post-fight interview? No, he he mentioned that Lewis should fight Nganu, and then the reporter's like, "Yeah, but you know, that would mean he would have to switch to PFL and be out of the UFC." Do you think Dana White would like that? He's like, "Oh, never mind. I didn't say that." Yeah. Maybe in like a boxing exhibition, but yeah, didn't they fight one time already in the UFC? Lewis and Nganu? Yeah. No, I don't think so. Oh, he fought Guyon. Oh, true. But yeah, yeah. and then going off Co-main. of that, I mean, a, a questionable decision. I think it was the right decision. Um, yeah. But Perea and I did rewatch these. I did not watch it live. Stack guy in here, and it looks like Ninganu and Lewis did fight at two. Derek Lewis had a wrecked back, though. This is when his back was at its worst. No, Lewis got the dub, too. Oh, he got the win? Oh, my gosh. With decision. No decision win. Yeah, it was a decision. Yeah, Francis never put his foot down in that fight. I I think that was coming. I think that was coming. 2018. Yeah, because. This is before I started watching, dang. That's why. Well, this was like also when I was just getting into it, but yeah, was that coming off of France's title fight against Stipe the first time? I don't know. This is definitely when Derek Lewis though was like top five guy. Yeah, I think he. It might have been Francis or something like that, but uh, I think it was after the Stipe fight. He like wasn't the same for a little bit. No, you might be right. Yeah. But, but then he just learned that he could just punch people's heads clean off their bodies if he just put his mind to it. No, but yeah, and moving on to the co-main, um, but we just, yeah, we oh, talked yeah. about Perea. I mean, I, I agree, too. I think it was Perea. He just really showed great striking. And like I was just saying about Nganu not pulling the trigger, it felt like Blahovich didn't pull the trigger at points. Or he, he could have just gone. Yeah, it seemed like when he brought, he got him on the ground, he didn't really do anything with it he just kind of tried to maintain control i don't know yeah that's why i wasn't like i thought he just would have tried to pound him out real quick like when you gonna go like that down seemed like like mid round two he's getting gassed yeah he was his arms were shot and i, I think because was... Perea just made it a stand-up fight too at certain points yeah and that's like the one thing just... one thing about this card is it is altitude so that could affect some guys differently yeah and then lightweight <laughs> fight i mean you knew this was gonna be a, a banger no matter what um, I had a weird feeling going in this fight that Gaethje might get the dub, but I I like Poirier. Um, but honestly, I like both these guys. So yeah, it was insane, almost similar parallel knockout to the same location last year. Leon Edwards threw a left high kick and knocked out Kamaru. Gaethje throws a right high kick and knocks out Poirier in the same place, location wise. Pretty eerie, but. Uh, an amazing knockout. I just have two quick points about this. I'll start with Poirier first. He and I agree. I like him a lot, and he's been a guy for so long now that just finishes out fights and gets the decision, or he's the one finishing people. That it was shocking the way he got finished in a fight. 
because it's been so long. Like, I can't remember the last time he's been knocked out clean Yeah, like this. And uh, so to see that was shocking. And my second point that goes in tow with this is that Gaethje, every time it seems like he gets a loss on his record, he gets stronger from that. Like, he keeps growing in a way. Like, he hits that plateau, and it's like, okay, he could level off here or get better. And it seems like every time he does, and you could say Poirier, Maybe not the clearest title challenger at this moment, but still nonetheless a very hard challenge to get in there with. He could finish him, you know, so there's a threat in there. And he went in there and finished him and made a statement that obviously he deserves another title shot. So, Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's hard to argue with him that to get another title shot after this fight, the winner, pretty much the winner of Makachev Oliveira. Poirier, yeah, Poirier, like you said, he's been... That he's been like right there for so long and Gaethje the same thing um and really outside of I mean I know Oliveira is a, a problem but outside of Oliveira Khabib and then yeah Makachev those two guys have always been top five for a while yeah they've been mainstays and I mean Poirier just had a crazy run too where he Max Holloway he dismantled him in their fight and you know just unbelievable stuff and now it gets to the point where it's like just where do you go from here yeah that fight was that fight was honestly crazy and ben i thought you were a huge poirier fan oh yeah i love poirier i got this chase got me his glove up there i have one of his best rookie cards his 2011 top's finest gold out of 88 one of his best rookie cards that's like my best ufc card it's poirier so So i'm a big fan is gagey better than him after this win or it's Um, tough i I mean, right yeah. now, right now in the standings, yes, but we'll see how their careers play out. Like overall, I think they're both, when all said and is, when it's all said and done, top ten fighters of their, their division all time. Honestly, yeah, and it's the second time they fought. The series is one one now. The Poirier finished Gaethje the first time, and now Gaethje finished him. So if they do run it back, I mean, it really could be either one. I mean, I didn't have a real solid feel on it going into the fight. I kind of figured both guys had a good chance at winning, but Gaethje really just cemented himself. Yeah, and that's that's a fight that the way stylistically they match up, no one would be upset if they had a third one. And like no. fights from now, no one would be upset because you're always going to get just fireworks. It was just so strange, like I was saying, to see Poirier get finished because like he's literally just been a guy who is a decision person or is just putting on the work to people you know not really going out he was early in his career he got knocked out by conor mcgregor but two guys that really show you that a lot of hard work and grinding you can always be a perennial title challenger i think the biggest reason they're so they're kind of viewed as very similar fighters because they both lost to like khabib they both could not take him down they both lost to charles charles Oliveira, could not take him down for you know, Dustin Poirier, like, beating Max Holloway, like, that's a legendary win that he has on his mm-hmm. resume. Because um, Holloway's an all-time great, too. So, And the way he did it, I mean, it was a decision, I'm pretty sure, but he beat the brakes off of Max Holloway. I mean, it was – uh, and I was a really big Max Holloway fan in that fight. I still am. I'm not saying I wasn't. But, I mean, that was, like, hurt my Max Holloway fandom a little bit to see him get, you know, rung up like that. Yeah, but that just shows you how good Poirier's been. I mean, even when he's shadow boxing during the warmups, I mean, he's so crisp and clean on his technique, and that's what's going to carry his career as long as it did is having that that good 
space. They're both 34, by the way. That's crazy. I didn't realize. It was, I thought Gaethje was older. Oh, and speaking of fights, real quick, talk about the Terrence Crawford, Earl Spence boxing match that we've also bricked on bringing up last week. Yeah. But was a huge event, nonetheless, in the boxing world. Uh, ben, I don't know if you had any reactions to it. I didn't honestly watch the whole thing. Uh, I saw some highlights. I mean, I think Crawford is, at this point, he's just a generational talent. I think there's... It's, one of those things that you have to put him among these just potentially greatest of all time boxers. Um, yeah. I mean, he pieced him apart <laughs> from what I yeah. saw. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame he's had so much time off in between fights, but he showed you that it doesn't matter. He's still a great boxer. And for Earl Spence, I mean, he obviously survived a horrific car crash where he flipped his Ferrari. You could obviously tell, it seemed weird watching it. It looked like he was boxing underwater in a way. Like his movements were just telegraphed and slower. And Crawford was just a snake. Like he would just react to everything that Spence was trying to set up and do and knocked him out. And I think it was almost a mercy one where the ref could have maybe let it go a little bit longer. But I mean, it was just not going the right direction at all. Like, you could maybe say Spence had a chance to land a shot, but I don't think anything he was going to be doing, Crawford didn't already see a mile away. So just really puts his place in. I know a lot of people are saying he should retire, but it's obviously up to him. And But after that performance, I don't I don't know what the plan should be. But yeah, I mean, there's still a bunch of challengers and weigh-ins, but Crawford's the man they get, finally unified. So that's great for his career that he can – have that achievement of not just being a three organizational holder. He gets to be the linear yeah. champ. So well-deserved Terrence Bud Crawford also can wrestle his ass off and probably could do a UFC fight if he really wanted to, which would be cool. Cause I know people wanted him to fight mighty mouse when mighty mouse was still in the oh, UFC. And that would have been a tremendous fight. I would still pay money to watch that fight. Mighty mouse is done dirty. Mighty mouse would probably finish him in some horrific way, but still Terrence Crawford can wrestle. That's, yeah, I think he was a wrestler growing up, so. Yeah, and as we're wrapping up the show, I know that I keep slightly bringing it up every week, but real quick, I just want to touch on the Women's World Cup. Um, you know, it's it's a really cool soccer event, and the men's just had happened last year. Kylian Mbappe went off. The women's this year has been pretty solid. Haven't gotten to see much because it's in Australia, so all the games are either at, like, 1 a.m., you know, 5 a.m., some weird time like that, and – haven't gotten to catch any of the U.S. women's yet, but this weekend, the round of 16 starting group stages end um, this week. There's only a couple matches left. But U.S. women's team, and for anyone who doesn't know, they dominate this national soccer sport in general, but specifically the World Cup. They have four, goal, uh, they have four World Cup victories. And they squeaked out of their group E, actually getting second. They had two ties. They beat, they beat Vietnam, but they tied the Netherlands. And they had a really bad tie against Portugal, 0-0. Nonetheless, they get the second spot. But their group, their group 16 match, Sunday morning, 5 a.m., is against Sweden. Mm-hmm. And Sweden's never won anything. They don't, they don't have any you know, medals in the Olympics or any gold medals in the Olympics. They don't have any World Cup wins, but they've been like a top five team consistently for the last eight to 10 years. And they were, they actually faced the women's national team 
in the 2021 Olympics and beat them 3-0. So I really wanted to come up with a pick for this Sunday, oh, but oh, I, oh. I just can't do it because oh. <laughs> the, the women's, they've put up one goal in the last two matches. They squeaked by to get out of Group E to make it to the knockout stage, but I want them to win, but I, I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith. This Sweden team, they they produce some good teams. And off <laughs> first matchup, it's not like women's soccer has – has grown an insane amount worldwide. And there's a lot of talent in a lot of countries. And the U.S. still are favorites, plus 190-minute time. I think they're like minus 120 or 130 to advance in the next round. But be careful. Be careful. I think it's going to be low-scoring affair. It could be a one nothing, 2 nothing game, 2-1 game. But I, I don't want to touch anything. Might set my alarm to try to catch the second half. But... I'll be rooting for him and yeah, tough first round matchup for him. Yeah, no, I mean, I haven't been able to watch it really much either, but I have been following and it's weird to not see them as this dominant team as they've been in the past. Um, I know Carly Lloyd came out and said some stuff just kind of like kind of criticizing the team, but I don't know. It's, it's, it is weird. You expect them to be dominant, but they're through the next round and anything can happen. So we'll see. All right, well, as we're wrapping up the show, just one more quick stat for everyone. Um, I thought it was kind of interesting. Ryan's going to love it because it's a Barry Bonds stat. <laughs> that means I'm probably going to hate it. If you went two for five with a homer and a single every day from game one to game 162, you would finish the season with 162 homers, 324 hits, and you would still have a lower OPS than Bonds had in 2004. Dang. Oh my gosh. That's ridiculous. That's the walks helping because OPS encounters on yes. base percentage. Yes. So that he must have had a bajillion and a half walks that year. That's crazy, though. I don't care. I'm taking the two. I, you know what? I'm taking the two for five season with the one homer and the one hit because then I'll break Barry Bonds' record and I will come out mm. and tell everyone that I did it without taking performance enhancing drugs. And then I'll flip off Barry Bonds and, <laughs> and, and his alcoholic dad, Bobby. <laughs> Ryan just throwing the shots oh at the AFR final team. <laughs> Sorry. No, they're both really good players. Oh, my gosh. Well, I think it's about time we wrap this up. We <laughs> hope you guys enjoyed. This has been a fun one tonight. We had an interesting podcast and some cool things to talk about. And we hope you guys just have enjoyed this. Keep a lookout for a poll. We're going to kind of dive back into our all-time teams maybe with a different sport so keep a lookout for that and we have not forgotten we're going to do our uh mlb the show sims at some point here soon too but we thank you guys for listening remember spotify youtube amazon look us on instagram twitter so we're on everywhere we'll see you guys later